Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Robert. I'm sitting here with Chad, and we are having an open, unscripted conversation about generosity, stewardship, what the Bible has to say about all that. Everybody's favorite subject. And they're like, you know what? I want to listen to two pastors talk about giving. That's that's gonna they're they're riveted right now. Hey, hang with us, listen to it, even if you disagree with us. We're gonna talk about what the Bible has to say. All right, so let's just start with this. Little uh, that last podcast we did was very theological. Yeah. And uh, perhaps thought provoking or sleep giving. <laughs> one, one of the two. Yeah. Today a little more practical. So by the uh, way, um, so my kids, when I, I, I wrote a, a book and they would, you know, humor me and they'd be like, oh, I'm going to read it. I can't tell you how many times I went to check on my kids at night and they were dead asleep, fast asleep. And they, had, they hadn't moved one page in the book. They just, <laughs> that became a, kind of our running joke. So especially Emma. Anyhow, I'm glad if you guys fell asleep, listen to the last podcast. Glad oh. we could help you get some good sleep. Okay. Well, at that point, it snowed up in Payson a few weeks ago and uh, Robert and his his family have a place up in Payson. And so I asked, can we take Jackson, my youngest son, and slide down your driveway in the snow? And Robert said, yeah. And so we got there. And then five minutes later, Robert showed up with his kids, which was fun. <laughs> and so we're all talking. And then Robert noticed that uh, my 12-year-old son wasn't really listening to me. <laughs> That's right. And Robert leans over to me, the same idea of your mm-hmm. kid and not reading your book and mm-hmm. all that. But Robert leans over to me and she says, hey, Chad, what's it like to like, have 200 employees, be a mega church pastor. And have your kid not want to listen and to you. your kid doesn't really care what you have to say at all. Chad's trying, trying to Chad, Chad's trying to give him just some basic wisdom, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah dad, whatever. Like, yeah, dad, nobody <laughs> listens to you. He just brushed it off. It was all awesome. Like, all right. Anyway, um, what are we talking about today? Talking about stewardship. Oh, yeah, stewardship. So, all right. People will ask me, because church and money is always weird, and um, kind of in the church world— um, as time goes on, there are other pastors who will call and ask me to maybe coach them a little bit on um, how to teach giving. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps they're going to do a building campaign or whatever, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll give advice. And one of the things I always hear is, so Chad, you're a pastor. Why do you feel so comfortable talking about money in church? Because most pastors don't want to do that. They're embarrassed to, or they're ashamed to, or they're just nervous. You know, what... What are people going to think when I start talking about this? Yeah. And so my answer is, well, two things. Uh, one, everything that I teach in the realm of money and giving, I personally do. Mm-hmm. My wife and I have been doing it for years. Uh, we've experienced the blessing of it. And so I sincerely want that for other people. That's real. The other thing is um, money's a big deal to all of us. Somebody that says they don't care about money, they're going to lie to you about other things too, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's important. It's how we take care of our needs. It's, it's, it gives us freedom in life in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, money's important, and, and, and we're, to, we're, to, we're to manage it, which means because it's such a big deal, it's a big deal in the realm of following Jesus. And so when I talk about giving, I'm just asking you to follow Jesus. There is no arena of life where I am ashamed, nervous, um, concerned about asking anybody to follow Jesus mm-hmm. because every area of you of your life, if you choose to follow Jesus there, it will be for your good. Yeah. And so I'm not embarrassed about it. I don't shrink back from it. I actually like talking about money because it helps people. Yeah. Um, and as a pastor, there's nothing that I'd rather do than, than help somebody uh, experience 
the joy of Jesus in their life. And so money's, money's part of that. Yeah. So anytime I tell a pastor that, I'm like, so quit being so weird about it yeah. and just go help people follow Jesus. Well, and if you read through the teachings of Jesus, you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are kind of like the biographies of Jesus. Uh, Jesus talks about money a lot. A third of the time. Yeah. So he wasn't ashamed of it. And, and again, it's one of those things where money's not evil, money's not bad, uh, but it is something that's in constant competition for our hearts, Yeah, which is why I think Jesus goes after it over and over and over again, because he's, he's trying to get to the heart of people in, in his preaching and his teaching and his modeling. He, he's getting to our hearts. And, and of course, this is going to be an area you can't just ignore it and go, ah, I'm sure that, that, that's all fine. I'm going to follow Jesus in every other area. Uh, th- this takes some work in our lives. Well, people misquote the Bible. Uh, people think that the Bible says the mo- that money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's not what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. This is a addition of one word, mm-hmm. a couple words maybe, but it makes all the difference. The Bible actually says the love of money mm-hmm. is the root of all kinds of evil. And the reason that we need to know the difference is to your point, money's just neutral. Money's just money. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do is we get it backwards. We're, we're to love people and use money. If we love money, then we'll start using people. Mm-hmm. And life is all about loving God and loving people. So if you don't put money in the proper place, you'll love money and use people instead of loving people and using money. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Um, and I've seen the love of money cause all kind of relational havoc yep. because life's about relationships. In the end, all that matters is God and people. And money gets in the way of that. So there's lots of families I've had to sit down with and mediate in our church because they're all fighting over the inheritance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I literally, I think it was this time last year, sat down with a friend of mine who his father died. And he was so heartbroken because all the siblings were fighting over money and, and he was the executor of the will. So he was right in the middle of all that. Mm-hmm. What we want to do is we want to love people and use money because if we start loving money, we'll start using people. Yeah. And, and money's important, but it's not a very good God. Mm-hmm. It, 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 is, it is an idol that will disappoint you every time. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible just wants to get it in proper perspective, because if we really love money, we'll hurt people to get it. Yep. And that's the opposite of what God wants. Yeah. You mentioned the idolatry of, of loving money. I, I think for a lot of people, the, the way they even view money, it's, it's their significance. It's their identity. It's if I get to this amount, then I'm somebody. It's, it's my value or it's my security. It's mm-hmm. then I'll be safe once I have this much. And, and there's all these different things that, that we expect money to do for us uh, that really only God can do. God alone can give us our value. God alone is our security. There's a lot of things that are uncertain in life, including money and what you might think is secure. Um, and, and so God's going, no, 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 don't make it about that because that's going to let you down. It's a, again, it's a terrible God. Terrible yeah. idol. Yeah. Um, you were going to say something. Sorry. No, it's all right. I, I, I'm having a hundred thoughts going through my, <laughs> my mind. I mean, it's, um, I, I'll just confess this. So, uh, you know, I'll tease and say, well, I didn't grow up in the trailer park, but next to it, there, mm-hmm. there's some truth to that. Um, my standard of living now in my life and, and the standard of living that my children have is much different than uh, it was for me when I was my children's age. Mm-hmm. But I grew up in a family. Uh, my parents are divorced. Um, so single mom raised me for a while. Money was really tight. Um, but I grew up in a family where the extended family, they were blue collar people, but they had white collar money. 
So blue collar people, meaning uh, construction type jobs, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so they had a lot of money, but they didn't necessarily manage things well. They, they didn't um, really think through all of life. And so money was all about stuff. That was the only reason of having it. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't have money, that was okay as long as you appeared to have it. Mm-hmm. So in Texas, we call this big hat no cattle, uh-huh. right? In and Scottsdale, they call that the $30,000 millionaire who, you know, makes 30 grand, but lives like they're a millionaire and gets the nice car and the nice whatever outfit and goes out clubbing. So It's the American way. Yeah. Yeah. Which begs the question, why do we buy things we, we can't afford with money we don't have to mm-hmm. impress people we don't know? What is that about? Mm-hmm. Well, that's about, to your point, value, identity, all those kinds of things. And so for some of us, our, our, our net worth equals our self-worth. Mm-hmm. That's shaky ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some of us, oh, I've got this amount of money in the bank. Nothing can touch me. Well, that's shaky ground. Bernie Madoff and all the stories mm-hmm. that we know of something happening, somebody doing something that was out from under our control, markets crashing and people jumping out a window. I mean, windows, yeah. all those kinds of things. So, so, so be careful with that one. The other thing is, and, and, and this is the ridiculousness. I'm going to preach just a little bit. Go for, I figured you were. It's, this, this it's already is, happened, so keep this going. This is the stupid—just think about this, friends. This is the stupidity of the American culture. I'm more valuable because this label is on my clothes. Mm-hmm. I'm a better person because I, I wear these kinds of shoes instead of these kinds. We have teenagers in our society that will kill somebody for a pair of Air Jordans. Crap like that. Just, 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 just think for a moment the stupidity of that. So let me, let, me, let me just really bother some of you now. We'll add an hour drive time to and from work to have 500 more square feet of house. What did you just do to the quality of your life day in, day out for 500 more square feet? There, there are all kinds of things that we do in this realm that make no sense. And the reason that is, is idol worship makes you foolish. All kinds of things. I, I'm for nice clothes. I'm for nice houses. God's not against any of those things. I'm just saying it is so foolish to put your identity there. Yeah. And yet, and yet we all do it. Um, American culture fuels it, fuels it, you know? Um, and it's something we really have to be on, on guard with. Yeah. So I don't know why I went there. That's for somebody. Yeah. And if you're in your car right now, driving an hour to work, listening to the podcast, we love you. God loves you. So glad you're connected here at Sun Valley. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Un- understand the context. I was yeah. um, a-, a couple of years ago, I was so tempted to do that. And then Katrina, the, the wise person in my family, <laughs> says, okay, so you're going to be an hour, two hours of your day, you know, are mm-hmm. going to be committed now so so we can have this. Deli- it just didn't make any sense. Yeah. So I'm going to shift gears here a little bit, um, and and we're going to talk about tithing, because this is something in my small group comes up all the time, comes up as conversation. Really? What does the Bible say about tithing? And we debate it. Is it gross? Is it net? All that. Um, Talk to us about, so the Bible does say, hey, here's here's a place to to begin when it comes to generosity. And this is... Um, in the Old Testament, and, and you see uh, affirmation of generosity in the New Testament, uh, the tithe itself, where, where does that come from? Where does this concept come from? Yeah, so what the Bible teaches is percentage giving. 
So think with me here for a second. The reason that the Bible teaches percentage giving is because that's in the realm of real trust and real generosity. Most people, if I were to say, hey, are you generous? Who's going to say no? <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to say, great, tell me a time when you're generous. Well, I dropped 75 cents in the Salvation Army bucket at Christmas time. Okay. But when we start talking about percentage giving, mm-hmm. all of a sudden that gets real. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, nobody thinks they're greedy. Nobody thinks they're selfish. And yet this is one of the common sins, most common things talked about in, in the Bible. So, so Jesus taught percentage giving. Uh, the Old Testament teaches percentage giving. Uh, the clearest example for Jesus would be uh, the story of the widow who gives the might. Mm-hmm. And there's all these rich people given, and, and then the widow gives a penny, and Jesus praises her giving. And they're like, what the heck? You know, mm-hmm. we gave hundreds of thousands of dollars. She gave a penny. Well, she gave 100%. Yeah. And all you guys gave, you know, less percentages. It's, it's about percentage, right? So the tithe, the word tithe means 10%. Mm-hmm. Uh, people think that comes from uh, Jewish law. It actually doesn't. Yeah. If you're really going to follow the Jewish law, it's 33 and a third percent. So be grateful for the tithe if that's your issue. Yeah. It comes from, it actually predates the law. It comes from an encounter that Abraham has with uh, an angelic being. Mm-hmm. And he gives 10%. Mm-hmm. That 10% principle is all the way through the Bible. Yeah. And so sometimes people will say, well, I'm still, am I still supposed to give 10%? You know, that belongs to God. My honest answer is no, 100% of it belongs to God. Yeah. So you and I will give an account for everything. Okay. But what God asks us to do is do percentage giving. This is a principle all the mm-hmm. way through the Bible. Well, it, it, you know, is it in the law? No, that's 33 and a third. Yeah. Um, and we don't live under the curse of the law anymore. We live under grace. Mm-hmm. And so the curse has gone away when it comes to tithing, but the blessing is here to stay. Yeah. So that begs the question, if I don't give 10%, is God going to punish me and curse me? No, but you will miss out on some blessing. Yeah. The curse has gone away, but the blessing is here to stay. And that blessing of tithing is, is all the way through. And the idea is right off the top, anytime we get income, we acknowledge first where it came from and we give God 10%. Yeah. Yeah. And in the New Testament, a lot of people don't realize this. Paul's writing letters to churches. He's, he's saying, hey, let's, let's build this thing. There's there's need in Jerusalem. There's poverty going on there. Hey, we want to travel out to this place. We want to plant this church. We want to share the gospel with these people. Um, and so in his letters, and, and particularly, he writes a letter to the Corinthian church. And as he's writing it, he goes, hey, uh, set aside a portion each week of whatever, you know, is coming in, set it aside and have it ready. And we're going to, you know, we're going to come by and be ready to give and, um, and give cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver, you know, decide in your hearts what you're going to give and, and, and do that. And he's not talking about a, a one-off thing. He talks about it being a regular thing. He's talking about it being a habit of generosity. Um, and he's, he's praising them because they've been generous. And he says, continue in this, Con- continue in the grace of giving, uh, continue to do that. And so it's not just an Old Testament concept. It's a New Testament concept. Um, and, and to your point, in the Old Testament, there's, there's different types of laws. You have uh, the Jewish law, the, the ceremonial law, dietary laws. They had a sacrificial system for sin, for atonement, all of that. Um, the the dietary laws, they're done when Jesus shows up and he's the final priest for all time, final sacrifice for all time. You, you see that through Peter Hebrew. has a vision, eat Peter the bacon. Ha- yep, you can, we can eat bacon. That, that's great. God um, bless that. Yep. I love that. Temple sacrifice is done. Uh, the veil to the Holy of Holies is torn. We have access to God, all that's done. But the moral law, Ten Commandments, don't lie, don't steal, don't kill. Moral laws, what is right, the way God has designed things, what you see Jesus teach in the Sermon on the Mount, that's here to stay. That doesn't change. Moral 
moral law doesn't change over time, the dietary sacrificial system, all of that. Um, and so the, the law of generosity, the law of, of giving, that, that's still part of what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah. So think about it this way. So there's two big themes in the Bible. I said this a few weeks ago. One is salvation. That's the redeeming work of God through Christ in the world. And the other is stewardship. The word steward means manager. So here's the idea. You came in the world with nothing. You're going to leave with nothing. What you think you own is really just on loan in the span of your lifetime. So we're to manage things for the owner. The mm-hmm. owner would be God. And so what God says is, here's, here's what you do with everything. Uh, give me 10% of it. There are three kinds of theological thoughts in the, in the Bible that, that people tend to go with. One is um, poverty theology. One is prosperity theology. And the other one is what I'm going to call a stewardship or generosity theology. So poverty theology is people think um, if you're poor, you're righteous. And if you're rich, you're evil. Mm-hmm. That's not what the Bible teaches. In the Bible, there's the righteous poor and the wicked poor. Mm-hmm. There's the righteous rich and the wicked rich. The issue is not amount. The issue is where's your heart and what are you doing with your life? Yeah. So money's, money's just neutral. So that's poverty theology. No, that's not right. Prosperity theology is you give to get. Mm-hmm. And these are the preachers that you hear on TV. If you send in $100, you know, God will give you yeah. 1000 Yeah. Okay. Well, let me just say this straight. That's BS and that's not good for your soul. Um, that's not what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. So... Prosperity theology is not it either. Prosperity theology is actually about worshiping money and trying to use God. Yeah. Uh, And that's the exact opposite of what God wants. So it's not poverty theology. It's not prosperity theology. It's stewardship theology or generosity theology. God owns it all. Mm -hmm. I'm managing what's been given to me uh, for a time. So what does God want me to do with it? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, God wants me to give 10% tithe to his work in the world. We do that in and through the local church, which begs the question. If I give, is God going to to bless me? Well, think about it this way. You don't give to get. Mm -hmm. Um, Is God going to punish me if I don't give? No, but you don't give to get either. You give because you love God. Mm -hmm. The Bible says you don't give out of guilt. You don't give out of manipulation. You don't give out of compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. Well, what would make a a cheerful giver? Somebody that understands the grace and blessing of God in their life. Yeah. So you give 10%. Which, to add to that, Paul writes too, that, that when we give, it's overflowing with thanks to God. That's that, right. that it's That by giving, we're saying, God, thank you. To we're your point earlier, we're just giving back to God what's already his. Yeah. Okay. But here's the principle that I've seen in my own life and mm-hmm. I've seen over and over again. If you and I manage things the way God wants mm-hmm. us to manage it, mm-hmm. if you and I steward things the way the owner wants us to steward it, does it not make sense that he would entrust us with more? Mm-hmm. And I've seen that in my life over and over again, and I've seen that in the lives of others. So when somebody tells me, oh, you know, I would tithe, I just can't, I can't afford it right now. Well, one, if that's your thinking, that's never going to change. Mm -hmm. Um, If somebody says, I can't afford to tithe, my response is, I can't afford not to. Mm -hmm. When Katrina and I got married, we had more bills than we had money. And Katrina says, I think we should start tithing. And I'm like, well, I don't think so. This is before I was a pastor, by the way. Yeah. And she says something really cruel. She says, well, why don't you pray about it, Jed? <laughs> oh, crap. I don't need to pray about it. I already know what God says, right? Yeah. I just don't want to do it. Uh, and we started tithing when we had uh, more bills than we had money. Mm-hmm. And something weird happened. We always had enough. Mm-hmm. Our finances got healthier with less. 
And through the years, I've just seen God come through over and over and over again. And I want that for everybody. Yeah. It's just the way God works. It's a sound principle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's part of what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah. So uh, my wife and I, we give and and same thing. I I do have hesitation every time it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to set up. We do, we do automatic giving. But even when I set it up, you know, each year, we kind of look at what our finances, what we think they're going to be for that year um, and, and choose to give. There's, there's part of me that's like, ooh, I don't know. And, and then we've uh, we've committed to being a part of doing some above and beyond giving, beyond tithe. And, beyond the 10%. And, um, and so we committed to something. And last year we had the market crash, 2020, COVID, all of that. And I had committed and I'd been praying, okay, God, I'm going to give this. And so I gave in the midst of all of that. And I don't say that to be like, wow, look what I did. I say that to say I struggled yeah. in that moment. And, and I can honestly say when I set that up, gave, um, a part of me like died inside. Um <laughs> But it's the part of me I wanted to die inside, if that makes sense. Yeah. There, there is a bit of, okay, this is taking real faith. This is real trust here. And, and there's part of me that's fighting against this. Um, it's not just about I'm giving to get it. I'm, I'm giving because it produces the character God wants for me. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, the part of me that died was, was a part that needed to die. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I don't want people to miss that either. It's, it's about our character. It's about becoming more and more like Jesus. And if you want to know what Jesus gave, he gave a whole lot more than 10%. He gave a hundred percent for you and for me. And, and it's out of thanks, out of acknowledgement of that. And every good gift is from God and everything is God's. And so we, we say, thanks, we acknowledge it by giving. And in, in that our character grows. Yeah. I, I would say if you're upside down financially and you're, I just can't, there's no way 10%, that's too big of a stretch of faith for me. Mm-hmm then I would say pick a percentage. One, this will make you pay attention to your money because yeah. part of the issue is probably you've not been paying attention. You know, money's not a mystery. It's just math. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what's coming in and what's going out, you, you are not helping yourself. Uh, but pick a percentage and just trust God with that. If you've never tithed before, I would encourage you to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, here at the church, we do the 90-day tithing challenge. You can look that up online if you want. Yep. We actually Challenge.sv.cc. What is it? Challenge.sv.cc. If people want to want to do that, you can explain what that is. Yeah, we kind of hold your hand through that. So we help people learn how to pray. We help people, you know, with their Bibles. Uh, we help people learn how to give. So basically the 90-day challenge is you tithe for 90 days. So anytime you get paid, you give 10%. You can sign an agreement with the church if God doesn't take care of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that 90 days at the end of the 90, we'll give you your money back. Um, so you can read all about it. We just do that to help people take a step of faith. Um, and I've heard some really cool stories through, through the years with that. Uh, percentage giving is just, just where it's at. Um, here's the other end of things. So I had a friend that um, made some money. A couple weeks ago, I gave a sermon and I realized all my illustrations were rich people. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends who are mechanics and I have friends who are millionaires. So it's kind of across the board. That's how it is when you pastor a, a bigger church. But anyway, um, I started talking to him about tithing. He's like, that's a lot of money. He's like, there was a time I, I tithed. He goes, but now, you know, I just, I don't know. And I said, okay, so 10%. He goes, yeah, that's a lot of money now. I go, so you want me to pray that God would take you back to where you were so you can be obedient to him? Are you really telling God this is too much? I can't be obedient to you anymore? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I never thought of it that way. I go, well, maybe you should because <laughs> the Bible hasn't changed and the principle hasn't changed. This past year, so my wife and I tied, but then we made a commitment to the In the Place Initiative, this thing we're doing at our church. Mm-hmm. And it got to the end of the year because that's when we give to that is at the end of the year. And there were some other things that we wanted to do, needed to do. And I literally am talking, I'm the, I'm the 
freaking pastor of the church. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, sweet, I don't know that we can let this go. Maybe, maybe we'll just double up on it next year, right? But uh, we decided to go ahead and give it anyway. I bet Katrina had something to do with that. She always does. <laughs> but uh, to your point, it, 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 is, it is a matter of letting go. Mm-hmm. But when you let go, um, you experience the joy of trusting God. You realize you have money, it doesn't have you. Mm-hmm. That is massive freedom. And it's not normal, it's weird, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And you also see what God does with it. And uh, in my experience, and seen it a thousand times over, typically he doesn't trust us with more. Um, but if he doesn't, that's his business. It's, it's us being faithful and in that experiencing the blessing of the faithfulness. Yeah, that's good. Uh, thanks for joining us for the podcast. If you want to take the challenge, uh, again, we want to help you with that and, and be faithful in that that giving process. I know it's scary. Um, you can go to challenge.sv.cc. We want to, we want to help you on that journey. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us.